Okay, now it's recording, great. So, okay, I'm gonna start five. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Schneider Electric, MEA Goes Green. We have had a slew of announcements uh, in the Gulf over the past two weeks. We've had net zero starting the UAE, moving into Saudi and Bahrain. We've also had some interesting news from Egypt in terms of EVs. And then we have COP26 happening in a couple of days' time in November over in the UK. We have a repeat guest, someone who knows more about what's happening in the, in the world of, of clean energy than anybody else I can think of. Ahmed Samir El Bambari, he is a managing director of the MENA Clean Energy Business Council. Ahmed, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Alex. Now, let's start with the, the big announcements. Um, net zero first in the UAE uh, by 2050, and then Saudi and Bahrain are looking to achieve net zero by 2060. Uh, what does this mean for the clean energy sector in the region? Yeah, I think the common thing about these uh, three countries are the are three of the major oil producing countries worldwide. So the fact that we see this uh, commitments, I think, gives a positive sign to the whole energy transition, especially as we are just a few days ahead of uh, COP26. Um, so I think the general um, um, feeling or the general thing we get from this is it's, it's very positive for the whole energy transition. But what we haven't seen yet is really the details or the roadmap of um, how uh, each of these three countries would get to that um, uh, target. Uh, whether it's 2050 or 2060, we haven't seen the details yet, and hopefully um, we would uh, be looking forward to seeing more details about the different regulations, policies, incentives, initiatives, projects, etc., to really achieve those. Um, and this would have different impact on uh, industries, businesses, and we have seen this coming up with a few other um, economic incentives, whether the full ownership of the companies, which would also I think open up opportunities with, which would eventually support the energy transition as well. Um, so I think overall, I think there's a good movement, but we need to see more details, more projects, more funding um, to achieve those targets, hopefully soon. Now, Ahmed, let me ask you on that. In terms of details, in terms of a roadmap, which each country has to show as part of their the Paris Agreement when it comes to climate change, the UK has one. Indonesia has one as well. There are others who are developing this. What should we be looking at in terms of areas to focus on? Um, and what role does the private sector need to play here? Yeah, I think the key issue about the clean energy transition generally is um, it's uh, so far we haven't seen, uh, except uh, with some of the exceptions you mentioned, we haven't seen really very comprehensive plans on how to get there. And that, um, for me, that says something that those countries are not really serious about the, the target. Uh, because it's basically, it's it's not very challenging to put together, uh, the, bring together the different stakeholders at the, at the country to actually put a plan to achieve a specific target. Um, so, uh, we have seen what the UK did, and I think all the countries um, could do the same. Uh, so we need to say, um, to, we need to really to see more. Um, sorry, uh, Alex, I got distracted with something. Let me repeat this one. Okay, go for it. Yeah. 
what was the question? I actually got 100% distracted. So, so the, the idea about what do you want to see in the legislation and how can the private sector get involved? I get it, I get it, sorry, yeah. I actually have, I'll talk to you about this later. Uh, I answer. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Alex. I think uh, one thing we have seen is, um, so uh, we are missing uh, the comprehensive plans of how each of these countries are going to achieve the net zero target. Um, usually, uh, like we, uh, you mentioned, uh, two exceptions, uh, UK and Tunisia. I think we need to see the different instruments, whether it's uh, how they are going to finance the different projects on, the, on all the different scales, including R&D, because I think one issue is we need to some more technological innovation to um, accelerate this energy transition. So that the, the funding for uh, the material technology and also the funding to get more innovation and technology uh, within the clean energy sector. We need to see the different policies to um, uh, de-incentivize the investment in fossil fuels like carbon tax and all of these different policies, which I understand might be very complex in specific countries, which especially the ones who are um, uh, major oil producers. And we need to see incentives and subsidies for renewable energy as, uh, energies as well. These are basically some of the policies that we have seen very effective in some of the leading renewable energy economies or the countries that have been leading in, in renewable energy. We need also to see uh, some, there's no one country right, right now that we say this is the ultimate leader in renewable energy forever. I think it's a growing sector and accordingly it, it, it adds, it could add a lot of value to the economies that would really invest early in those. So accordingly, we need to say more capacity building, we need to see more, company, more countries um, um, building the capacity, whether it's investing in the education, building new uh, educational centers, etc. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, we need to say more um, uh, uh, public-private partnerships. I think that's one of the, especially in the region uh, where the electricity sector or the energy sector is heavily regulated. So that's where we need to see more uh, uh, partnerships with the private sector. And one, the positive thing here is uh, from our interactions with the public sector, with the private sector, sorry, they are very willing to actually support and invest and build projects actually on the ground as well. We need to see this more engagement between the public and private sector. We also need to say we need to see more of the R&D centers that actually build things on the ground. Uh, because I, I think it's one thing we have seen, especially with some, uh, especially with the EVs, for example, uh, some of the energy storage capacities, as it really depends on the local capacity. So some of the solutions would work in specific regions and wouldn't work in other regions. So having this investment and building the R&D as well is very important. So in general, what I'm trying to see, uh, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that we need a comprehensive plan on how each of these countries will achieve. Uh, those are good. Otherwise, I think it would be just uh, announcements and we wouldn't see actual progress to achieve net zero or whatever the target is. Um, and I think it's very doable and it's very feasible, um, uh, but it just needs the political will and uh, the actual uh, work to get it done. Now, Ahmed, let's talk about Egypt because there's some interesting news coming out of there as well. It wasn't as high key. Uh, but it's it's very interesting um, what the Minister of Public Sector, Dr. Hisham Taufik, was saying about electric vehicles. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, so I think Egypt, um, they are looking at uh, this from a different side, which is they are taking advantage. What I can see is they are taking advantage of uh, the energy transition to post post economy. Uh, so the main focus is really on the manufacturing. We have we have seen a lot of um, recent announcements to uh, partner with leading international uh, companies to really build new factories to manufacture like whether EVs, uh, BVs, um, etc. Within the um, uh, inside Egypt. So as you mentioned, on the EV side, uh, they recently announced that um, it's not something that's publicly announced. I think publicly it will be officially announced within the next few days. But the government will provide um, a cash back of up to 3,000 US dollars for EV buyers. And I think that would, I'm, I'm Egyptian and I'm, I know the Egyptian culture, I think that would boost really the EV sales um, and in 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 an incredible way in Egypt and then in the next like few months, not just not even years. And uh, the other uh, target for them is they are looking to install um, three thousand uh, double circuit charging stations, which you can say, and uh, that's six thousand uh, charging stations uh, across Egypt, uh, and that's uh, in the next eighteen months, one and a half years, and. Uh, Right now, the electricity, because Egypt as well as one of the countries where the electricity sector is heavily regulated, so people can just sell electricity. Uh, but now they have introduced um, uh, a dynamic tariff, uh, and they have also put um, a maximum uh, tariff where the private sector can only sell um, uh, within this window of tariff. And this would be reviewed on uh, annual basis just to make sure that they have control also and there's no one company that's monopolizing the, uh, the EV charging market as well. Uh, EV, uh, Egypt as well as one of the countries that have been investing in uh, electrifying the public uh, transportation. So uh, they have been running uh, different pilots for electric buses across uh, Cairo and Alexandria. And one of the things they announced that they would um, uh, expand the fleet of electric buses to be up to uh, 50 buses, and that's within the next few uh, weeks uh, even. And uh, the last thing is, uh, I did mention at the beginning, they are looking at uh, focusing on the manufacturing. So uh, Egypt has announced, uh, they actually have already launched it uh, through a partnership between the um, uh, government-owned Anmas automotive company and MCV, which is another leading um, Egyptian company, and uh, a few Chinese stakeholders, private sector, to locally manufacture uh, an electric vehicle. And they actually launched the first pilot about three months ago, and the plan is to uh, manu locally manufacture the vehicle and have it available mainly for the taxi drivers on uh, different installments, uh, plans, and partnership with the banks, uh, starting from 2022. So I think that's uh, all of this, especially with the fiscal incentives, and that say, only says that starting from 2022, we should expect many, many EVs to be on the ground in Egypt. And um, I think that adds very well to uh, the electricity sector and how interesting in upgrading their uh, grid and planning. I think um, there's also another recent announcement with one of the leading um, um, uh, international companies that has uh, is building right now, I think, uh, 35 different, um, uh, to upgrade the f 35 um, uh, power stations across Egypt, and the, uh, the that's over the course of the next two years. So uh, generally, I think there's a lot of uh, positive mov movement in Egypt, but we still don't see a clear uh, strategy as well. 
uh, but generally the movement is is very positive as well on hydrogen. Even the recently announced uh, Akapif projects in Egypt uh, on green hydrogen, and as far as I know, they even started building one of them uh, as we speak as well. So hopefully we see more coming from Egypt. Now let me ask this: I am assuming you know, there is some linkage between what is happening with all these announcements and obviously this climate change. You know, IPCC's come out with that report and said it's human caused. You know, many of us have argued that for a long time. But we also have COP twenty six next month in the UK. Where is the push coming from in terms of making all these announcements and moving in this direction? Yeah, I think COP by nature, especially with uh, after COVID and uh, after the many different events that happened that showed that the climate change is now the, the, the biggest risk that's facing humanity. I think uh, a lot of countries now are realizing that they have to act and there's international pressure, uh, which is now starting also to come from the, the, the people. Uh, before that, it was really just a few activists. But now we see it, there's a people movement. So each country has uh, internal and external pressure that they have to take some actions. So I think with COVID, uh, a lot of people are expecting to see uh, and hear a lot of um, uh, positive uh, initiatives, uh, announcements from countries, from companies uh, with COP26. Uh, so I think that's the main uh, uh, catalyzer. Uh, so what I hope is after COVID, after COP26, sorry, we would see actual projects actually being implemented. So it wouldn't just be uh, all of these announcements just for the sake of COP. And after COP, we just go back to the uh, business as usual. I hope that, uh, because again, if you look from economical perspective, um, a lot of these new projects, especially for the MENA region and for our region, uh, now make perfect financial sense for investment perspective as well. So there's a, clear, a very clear incentive for the companies and for the countries to actually invest. It's not just about the environment and uh, saving the planet and climate change. It also makes perfect financial sense for them. Uh, for long-term investments, and uh, there's uh, yesterday uh, the CEO of BlackRock uh, mentioned something which is uh, I fully agree with him. He said that the next uh, five uh, trillion dollar companies are going to be in the climate change, uh, very uh, just climate change companies. So, uh, and that's coming from BlackRock. I think that explains the tendency or the trend uh, of how uh, climate change, it, it's not just about saving the environment, but definitely is going to be the money maker as well for companies and, and investors. As always, Ahmed, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. We're all expecting to see much more action um, coming, not just at COP26, but moving forward as well. We all realize that sustainability and climate change is the biggest issue we face and that applies similarly to the Middle East as it does to anywhere else in the world. Thanks so much Alex, it was uh, a pleasure as well was to be with you and hopefully uh, next time we speak we uh, uh, we speak like we announce we celebrate like perhaps uh, all of the MENA countries would have mid zero by 2030 not 2050 and not 2060 hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully that that's the uh, that's the dream, uh, Ahmed. Very, very much so. And thank you, everyone, as always, for listening in. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. 
let's stay tuned for more interesting coverage. In November, obviously, COP26, we're going to be talking about that as well. Until then, take care. Goodbye.